0: Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of The World of Percy Jackson. In this episode, we will read chapters 5 through 6. Now, in the previous episode, Percy, Grover, and Annabeth with the Hunters had all gone on Apollo's bus or vehicle to go back to Camp Half-Blood. Now, Artemis had gone to complete a mission to find the monster and possibly Kronos so that she can end this war once and for all and not let Olympus or Camp Half-Blood get affected by it. So now we read chapter five. I placed an underwater phone call. I'd never seen Camp Half-Blood in winter before and the snow surprised me. See, the camp has the mag- ultimate magical uh, magic cl- climate control. Nothing gets inside the borders unless the director, Mr. D, wanted to. I thought it would be warm and sunny, but instead the snow had been allowed to flaw, flaw, fall lightly. Frost covered the chariot track and the strawberry fields. The cabins were decorated with tiny flickering lights like Christmas lights except they seemed to be balls of real fire. More lights glowed in the woods, and weirdest of all, a fire flickered in the attic window of the big house, where the oracle dwelt, imprisoned in an old mummified body. I wondered if the spirit of Delphi was roasting marshmallows up there or something. Whoa, Nico said as he climbed off the bus. Is that a climbing wall? Yeah, I said. Why is there lava pouring down on it? Little extra challenge. Come on, I'll introduce you to Sharon. Zoe, have you met- I know Sharon. Zoe said stiffly. Tell him we will be in cabin hate. Hunters, follow me. I'll show you a way, Grover offered. We know the way. Oh, really? It's no trouble. It's easy to get lost here if you don't. He tripped over a canoe and came up still talking. Like my old daddy goat used to say. Come on. Zoe rolled her eyes, but I guess she figured there was no getting rid of Grover. The hunters shouldered their packs and their bows and headed off toward the cabins. As Bianca D'Angelo was leaving, she leaned over and whispered something in her brother's ear. She looked at him for an answer, but Nico just scowled and turned away. "'Take care, sweethearts!' Apollo called after the hunters. He winked at me. "'Watch out for those prophecies, Percy. I'll see you soon.' "'What do you mean?' Instead of answering, he hopped back in the bus. "'Later, Talia!' he called and uh be good he gave her a wicked smile as if he knew something she didn't then he closed the doors and revved the engine i turned aside as the sun chariot took off in a blast of heat when i looked back the lake was steaming a red maserati soared over the wind over the woods glowing brighter and climbing higher until it disappeared in a ray of sunlight nico was still looking grumpy i wonder what his what his sister had told him who's sharon he asked i don't have his figurine Our activities director, I said, he's, well, you'll see. If those hunter girls don't like him, Nico grumbled, that's good enough for me. Let's go. The second thing that surprised me about camp was how empty it was. I mean, I knew most half-bloods only trained during the summer. Just the year-rounders will be here. The ones who didn't have homes to go to, or would get attacked by monsters too much if they left. But there didn't even seem to be many of them, either. I spotted Charles Beckendorf from the Hephaestus cabin stoking the forge outside the camp armory. The Stoll brothers, Travis and Connor from the Hermes cabin, were picking the lock on the camp store. A few kids from the Ares cabin were having a snowball fight with the wood nymphs at the edge of the forest. That was about it. Even my old rival from the Ares cabin, Clarice, didn't didn't seem to be around. The big house was decorated with strings of red and yellow fireballs that warmed the porch but didn't seem to catch anything on fire. Inside, flames crackled in the heart. The air smelled like hot chocolate. Mr. D, the camp director, and Sharon were playing a quiet game of cards in the parlor. Sharon's brown beard was shaggier for the winter. His curly hair had grown a little longer. He wasn't posing as a teacher this year, so I guess he could afford to be casual. He wore a fuzzy sweater with a hoof print design on it, and he had a blanket on his lap that almost hid his wheelchair completely. He smiled at us when he saw us Percy, Thalia. Ah, this must be Nico D'Angelo, I said. He and his sister are half bloods. Shiran breathed a sigh of relief. You succeeded then? Well, his smile melted. What's wrong? And where is Annabeth? Oh dear, Mr. D said in a bored voice. Not another one lost. I'd been trying not to pay attention to Mr. D, but he was kind of hard to ignore in his neon-orange leopard-skin warm-up suit and his purple running shoes. Like Mr. D had ever run a day in his immortal life. A golden laurel wreath was tilted sideways on his curly black hair, which must have meant he won the last hand of cards. What do you mean? Dolly asked. Who else is lost? Just then, Grover trotted into the room, grinning like crazy. He had a black eye and a red lines on his face that looked like, like, looked like a slap mark. "'The Hunters are all moved in!' Sean frowned. "'The Hunters, eh?' "'I see we have much to talk about.' He glanced at Nico. "'Grover, perhaps you should take our young friend to the den "'and show him our orientation fl- film.' "'But... "'Oh, right. "'Yes, sir.' "'Orientation film?' Nico asked. "'Is it G or PG? "'Cause Bianca is kind of strict. "'It's PG-13.' "'Grover said. "'Cool!' Nico happily followed him out of the room." "'Now,' Sharon said to Thalia and me. "'Perhaps you two should sit down and tell us the whole story.'" When we were done, Sharon turned to Mr. D. "'We should launch the search for Annabeth immediately.'" "'I'll go,' Thalia and I said at the same time. Mr. D sniffed. "'Certainly not.'" Thalia and I both started complaining, but Mr. D held up his hand. He had that purplish, angry fire in his eyes that usually meant something bad and godly was going to happen if we didn't shut up. "'From what you have told me,' Mr. D said." "'We have broken even on this escapade. "'We have, uh, regret- regret- regrettably lost Annie Bell... Abet. I snapped. "'She'd gone to camp since she was seven, Mr. D, Mr. "'and still Mr. D pretended not to know her name. "'Yes, yes,' he said. "'And you procured a small, annoying boy to replace her. "'So I see no point risking further half-bloods "'on a ridiculous rescue. "'The possibility is very great that this Annie girl is dead.' I wanted to strangle Mr. D. It wasn't fair Zeus had sent him here to dry out as camp director for a hundred years. It was meant to be a punishment for Mr. D's bad behavior on Olympus, but it ended up being a punishment for all of us. Annabeth may be alive, Shron said, but I could tell he was having trouble sounding upbeat. He'd practically raised Annabeth all those years she was a year-round camper, before she'd been living with her dad and stepmom a second try. She's very bright. If- If our enemies have her, she will try to play for time. She may even pretend to be cooperate. That's right, Talia said. Luke would want her alive. In which case, said Mr. D, I'm afraid she'll have to be smart enough to escape on her own. I got up from the table. Percy. Shran's tone was full of warning. In the back of my mind, I knew Mr. D was not somebody, somebody to mess up with. Even if you are an impulsive ADHD kid like me, he wouldn't give you any slack. I was, but I was so angry I didn't care. "'You're glad to lose another camper!' I said, you like it if we all disappeared!' Mr. D stifled a yawn. "'Oh, you have a point?' "'Yeah!' I growled. "'Just because you were sent here as a punishment "'doesn't mean you have to be a lazy jerk! "'This is your civilization too! "'Maybe you could try helping out a little!' For a second, there was no sound except the crackle of fire. The light reflected in Mr. D's eyes, giving him a sinister look. He opened his mouth to say something, probably a curse, that will blast me to smell the smithereens, when Nico burst into the room, followed by Grover. "'So cool!' Nico yelled, holding his hands out to Sharon. "'You're... you're a centaur!' Sharon managed a nervous smile. "'Yes, Mr. D'Angelo, if you please, though I prefer to stay in human form in this wheelchair for, uh, first encounters.' "'And whoa!' he looked at Mr. D. "'You're the wine dude!' No way! Mr. D turned his eyes away from me and gave Nico a look of loathing. The wine, dude? Dionysus, right? Oh, wow, I've got your figurine! My figurine. In my game, Metal Magic! And a holofoil card, too! And even though you're, you've are you only got like 500 attack points and everybody think you're the lamest god card, I still think you're- I totally think your powers are sweet! Ah, Mr. D seemed truly perplexed, which probably saved my life. Well, that's gratifying. Percy, Sharon said quickly, you and Dali should go down to the cabins. Inform the campers will be playing capture the flag tomorrow evening. Capture the flag, I asked, but we don't have enough. It is a tradition, Sharon said, a friendly match whenever the hunters visit. Yeah, Dali muttered. I bet it's real friendly. Shawn jerked his head toward Mr. D, who was still frowning as Nico talked about how many defense points all the god had, gods had in his game. Run along now, Sean told us. Oh, right, Talia said. Come on, Percy. She hauled me out of the big house before Dionysus could remember that he wanted to kill me. You've already got Ares on your bad side, Talia reminded me as we trudged toward the cabins. You need another immortal enemy? She was right. My first summer as a camper, i got in a fight with Ares, and now he and all his children wanted to kill me. I didn't need to make Dionysus mad too. Sorry, he said. I couldn't help it. It's just so unfair. She stopped by the army and looked out, armory and looked out across the valley toward the top of Haplut Hill. Her pine tree was still there. The golden fleece glittering in its lowest branch. The tree's magic still protected the borders of the camp, but it's, but it no longer used Thalia's spirit for power. Percy, everything is unfair. Thalia muttered. Sometimes I wish she didn't finish. But her tone was so sad i felt sorry for her with her ragged black hair and her black punk clothes an old wool overcoat wrapped around her she looked like some kind of huge raven completely out of place in the white landscape we'll get annabeth back i promised i just don't know yet first i found out that luke is lost she said now annabeth don't think like that you're right she straightened up we'll find a way over at the basketball court a few of the hunters were shooting hoops one of them was arguing with a guy from the Ares cabin. The Ares kid had his hand on his sword, and a hunter girl looked like she was going to exchange her basketball for a bow and arrow any second. I'll break that up, Talia said. You circulate around the cabins. Tell everybody about Capture the Flag tomorrow. Alright, you should be team captain. No, no, she said. You've been at camp longer. You do it. We can, uh, co-captain or something. She looked about as comfortable with that as I felt, but she nodded. As she headed for the court, I said, Hey, Talia. Yeah? I'm sorry about what happened at Westover. I should have waited for you guys. It's okay, Percy. I probably would have done the same thing. She shifted from foot to foot, like she was trying to decide whether or not to say more. No, you asked about my mom, and I kind of snapped at you. It's just, I went back to find her after seven years, and I found out she died in Los Angeles. She, um, she was a heavy drinker, and apparently she was out driving late one night and about two years ago and... Dahlia blinked hard. I'm sorry. Yeah, well, it's, it's not like we were ever close. I ran away when I was 10. Best two years of my life were when I was running around with Luke and Annabeth, but still. That's why you had trouble with the sun van. She gave me a wary look. What do you mean? The way you stiffened up. You must've been thinking about your mom not wanting to get behind the wheel. I was sorry i said anything. Dalia's expression was dangerously, dangerously closest to Zeus's. The one time I'd seen him get angry, like any minute, her eyes would shoot a million volts. Yeah, she muttered. Yeah, that must have been it. She trudged off toward the court where she, where the Ares camper and the Hunter were trying to kill each other with a sword and a basketball. The cabins were the weirdest collection of buildings you've ever seen. Zeus's, Zeus and Hera's were big white columned buildings cabins one and two stood in the middle with five gods five gods cabins on the left and five co- goddess goddesses cabins on the right so they all made a u around the central green and the barbecue hearth. i made the rounds telling every uh, everybody about the capture of the flag i woke up some aries's kids from his midnight midday nap and he yelled at me to go away when i asked where clarice was he said went on a quest for Sharon top secret is she okay "'Haven't heard from her in a month. "'She's missing in action, like your butt's gonna be "'if you don't get out of here.'" I decided to let him go back to sleep. Finally, I got to cabin three, the cabin of Poseidon. It was a low gray building hewn from sea stone with shells and coral fossils, fossils imprinted in the rock. Inside, it was just as empty as always, except for my bunk. A minotaur horn hung on the wall next to my pillow. I took Annabeth's baseball cap out of my backpack and set it on my nightstand i'd give it to her when i found her and i would find her i took off my wristwatch and activated the shield it creaked noisily as it spiraled out dr thorne's spikes had dented the brass in a dozen places one gash kept the shield from opening all the way so it looked like a pizza with two slices missing the beautiful metal pictures that my brother had crafted were all banged up in the picture of me and uh, annabeth fighting the hydra it looked like a meteor had made a crater in my head I hung the shield on its hook, next to the minotaur horn, but it was painful to look at now. Maybe Beckendorf from the Hephaestus cabin could fix it for me. He was the best armorsmith in the camp, I'd ask him at dinner. I was staring at the shield when I noticed a strange sound, water gurgling, and I realized there was something new in the room. At the back of the cabin was a big basin of grey sea rock, with a spout like the head of a fish carved in stone. Out of its mouth burst a stream of water, a saltwater spring that trickled into the pool. The water must have been hot because it sent mist into the cold winter air like a sauna. It made the room feel warm and summery, fresh with the smell of the sea. I stepped up to the pool. There was no note attached or anything, but I knew it could only be a gift from Poseidon. I looked into the water and said, thanks, dad. The surface rippled at the bottom of the pool. Coins shimmered a dozen or so golden drachma. I realized what the fountain was for. It was a reminder to keep in touch with my family. I opened the nearest window and the wintry sunlight made a rainbow in the mist. And then I fished a coin out of the hot water. Iris, oh goddess of the rainbow, I said, accept my offering. I tossed a coin into the mist and it disappeared. Then I realized I didn't know who to contact first. My mom? That would have been the good thing, good son thing to do, but she wouldn't be worried about me yet. She was used to me disappearing for days or weeks at a time. My father? It had been way too long, almost two years since I had actually talked to him. But could you ever send an iris message to a god? I've never tried. Would it make them mad? Like a sales call or something? I hesitated. Then I made up my mind. mind. Show me Tyson, I requested, at the forges of the Cyclops. The mist shimmered, and the image of my half-brother appeared. He was surrounded in fire, which would have been a problem if he weren't a Cyclops. He was bent over an anvil, hammering a red-hot sword blade. Sparks flew and flames swirled around his body. There was a marble-framed window behind him, and it looked out onto dark blue water, the bottom of the ocean. "'Tyson!' I yelled. He didn't hear me at first because of the hammering and the roar of the flames. "'Tyson!' He turned, and his one enormous eye widened. His face broke into a crooked yellow grin. "'Percy!' He dropped the sword blade and ran at me, trying to give me a hug. The vision blurred, and I instinctively lurched back. Tyson, it's an iris message. I'm not really here. Oh. He came back into view, looking embarrassed. Oh, I knew that. Yes. How are you? I asked. How's the job? His eye lit up. Love the job. Look. He picked up the hot sword blade with his bare hands. I made this. That's really cool. I wrote my name on it, right there! Awesome. Listen, do you talk to Dad much? Tyson's smile faded. Not much. Daddy's busy. He's worried about the war. What do you mean? Tyson sighed. He stuck the sword blade out of the window, where it made a cloud of boiling bubbles. When Tyson brought it back in, the metal was cool. Old sea spirits making trouble. Aeos, Oceanus, those guys. I sort of knew what he was talking about. He meant the immortals who ruled the oceans back in the days of the Titans. Before the Olympians took over, the fact that they were back now, with the Titan Lord Kronos and his allies' gaining strength, was not good. "'Is there anything I can do?' I asked. Tyson shook his head sadly. "'We are arming the mermaids. They need a thousand more swords by tomorrow.' He looked at his sword blade and sighed. "'Old spirits are protecting the bad boat.' "'The Princess Andromeda?' I said. "'Luke's boat?' Yes, they make it hard to find, protect it from daddy's storms, otherwise he would smash it. Smashing it would be good. Tyson perked up as if he'd just had another thought. Annabeth, is she there? Oh, well. My heart felt like a bowling ball. Tyson thought Annabeth was just about the coolest thing since peanut butter, and he seriously loved peanut butter. I didn't have the heart to tell him she was missing. He'd start crying so bad he'd probably put out his fires. Well... No, she's not here right now. Tell her hello, he beamed. Hello, Tannabeth. Okay. I fought back a lump in my throat. I'll do that. And Percy, don't worry about the bad boat. It is going away. What do you mean? Panama Canal, very far away. I frowned. Why would Luke take his demon-infested cruise ship all the way down there? The last time we'd seen him, he'd been cruising along the East Coast, recruiting half-bloods and training his monstrous army. All right, I said, not feeling reassured. That's good, I guess. In the Forges, a deep voice bellowed something I couldn't make out. Tyson flinched. Gotta get back to work. Boss will get mad. Good luck, brother. Okay, tell Dad. But before I could finish, the vision shimmered and faded. I was alone again in my cabin, feeling even lonier, lonelier than before. I was pretty miserable at dinner that night. I mean, the food was excellent as usual. You can't go wrong with barbecue, pizza, and never-empty soda goblets. The torches and braziers kept the outdoor pavilion warm, but we all had to sit with our cabin mates, which meant I was alone at the Poseidon table. Thalia sat alone at the Zeus table, but we couldn't sit together. Camp rules. At least the Hephaestus, Ares, and Hermes cabins had a few people each. Nico sat with the Stoll brothers since new campers always got stuck in the Hermes cabin if their Olympian parent was unknown. known. The Stoll brothers seemed to be trying to convince Nico that poker was a much better game than mytho magic. I hope Nico didn't have any money to lose. The only table that seemed to have, seemed to be having a good time was the Artemis table. The hunters drank and ate and laughed like one big happy family. Zoe sat at the head like she was the mama. She didn't laugh as much as the others, but she did smile from time to time. Her silver lieutenant's band glittered in the dark braids of her hair. I thought she looked a lot nicer when she smiled. Bianca D'Angelo seemed to have, be having a great time. She was trying to learn how to arm wrestle from the big girl who'd pick a fight with Ares, with the Ares kid on the basketball court. The bigger girl was beating her every time, but Bianca didn't seem to mind. When we finished eating, Sharon made the customary toast to the gods and for formally welp- welco- welcomed the hundreds of Artemis. The clapping was pretty half-hearted, then he announced a goodwill capture the flag game for tomorrow night, which got a lot better reception. Afterward, we all trade back to our cabins for an early winter lights-out. I was exhausted, which meant I felt, fell asleep easily. That was the good part. The bad part is, I had a nightmare. And even by my standards, it was a whopper. Annabeth was on a dark hillside, shrouded in fog. It almost seemed like the underworld, because I immediately felt claustrophobic and I couldn't see the sky above. Just a close, heavy darkness, as if I were in a cave. Annabeth struggled uh, up the hill. Old, broken Greek columns of black marble were scattered around, as though something had blasted a huge building to ruins. "'Thorn!' Annabeth cried. "'Where are you? Why did you bring me here?' She scrambled over a section of broken wall and came to the crest of the hill. She gasped. There was Luke, and he was in pain. He was crumpled on the rocky ground, trying to rise. The blackness seemed to be thicker around him, fog swirling hungrily. His clothes were in tatters, and his face was scratched and drenched with sweat. Annabeth, he called. Help me, please. She ran forward. I tried to cry out. He's a traitor. Don't trust him. But my voice didn't work in the dream. Annabeth had tears in her eyes. She reached down like she wanted to touch Luke's face, but at the last second, she hesitated. What happened? She asked. They, they left me here, Luke groaned. Please, it, it's killing me. I couldn't see what was wrong with him. He seemed to be struggling against some invisible curse, as though the fog was were squeezing him to death. Why should I trust you? Ambit asked. Her voice was filled with hurt. You shouldn't. Luke said, I've been terrible to you, but if you don't help me, I'll die. Let him die, I wanted to scream. Luke had tried to kill us in cold blood too many times. He didn't deserve anything from Annabeth. Then the darkness above Luke began to crumble, like a cavern roof in an earthquake. Huge chunks of black rock began falling. Annabeth rushed in just as a crack appeared, and the whole ceiling dropped. She held it somehow, tons of rock. She kept it from collapsing on her and Luke just with her own strength. It was impossible. She shouldn't have been able to do that. Luke rolled free, gasping. Thanks, he managed. Help me hold it, Annabeth groaned. Luke caught his breath. His face was covered in grime and sweat. He rose unsteadily. I knew I could count on you. He began to walk away as the trembling blackness threatened to crush Annabeth. Help me, she pleaded. Oh, don't worry, Luke said. Your help is on the way. It's all part of the plan. In the meantime, try not to die. The ceiling of darkness began to crumble, pushing Annabeth against the ground. I sat bolt upright in bed, clawed at clawing at the sheets. There was no sound in my cabin except the gurgle of the salt water spring. The clock on my nightstand read just after midnight. Only a dream, but I was sure of two things: Annabeth was in terrible danger, and Luke was responsible. And that is the end of chapter 5. But don't worry, right after this uh, break, we will read chapter 6 and we will have no, more information on what happens to Annabeth and what did Luke do to be responsible of this incident incident. So, we'll be right back after the break. <laughs> And we are back from the ads, and now we are going to read chapter 6. An old dead friend comes to visit. The next morning after breakfast, I told Grover about my dream. We sat in the meadow watching the satyrs chase the wood nymphs through the snow. The nymphs had promised to kiss the satyrs if they got caught, but they hardly ever did. Usually the nymph would let the satyr get, get up a full head of stream. Then she'd turn into a snow-covered tree, and the poor satyr would slam into it head first and get a pile of snow dumped on him. When I told Grover my nightmare, he started twirling his finger in his shaggy leg fur. A cave ceiling collapsed on her? He asked. Yeah, what the heck does that mean? Grover shook his head. I I don't know. But after what Zoe dreamed, whoa, what do you mean Zoe had a dream like that? I I I don't know exactly. About three in the morning she came to the big house and demanded to talk to Sharon. She looked really panicked. Wait. How do you know this? Grover blushed. It was sort of camped outside the Artemis cabin. What for? Just to be, you know, near them? You're a stalker with hooves. I am not. Anyway, I followed her to the big house and hid in a bush and watched the whole thing. She got real upset when Argus wouldn't let her in. It was kind of a dangerous scene. I tried to imagine that. Argus was the head of security for camp, a big blonde dude with eyes all over his body. He rarely showed himself unless serious. something serious was going on. I wouldn't want to place bets on a fight between him and Zoe Nightshade. W- what did she say? I asked. Grover grimaced. Well, she started talking really old-fashioned when she gets upset, so it was kind of hard to understand. But something about Artemis being in trouble and needing the hunters. And then she called Argus a boiled brain lout. I think that's a bad thing. And then he called her- Whoa, wait. How could Artemis be in trouble? I, well, finally, Sharon came out in his pajamas and his horse tail and curlers, and... He wears curlers in his tail? Grover covered his mouth. Sorry, I said. Go on. Well, Zoe said she needed permission to leave camp immediately. Sharon refused. He reminded Zoe that the hunters were supposed to stay here until they received orders from Artemis. And she said... Grover gulped. She said... How are we going to get orders from Artemis if Artemis is lost? What do you mean lost? Like she needs directions? No, I think she meant gone. Taken. Kidnapped. Kidnapped? I try to get my mind around that idea. How would you kidnap an immortal goddess? Is that even possible? Well, yeah, I mean, it happened to Persephone. But she was like the goddess of flowers. Grover looked offended. Springtime. "'Whatever. Artemis is a lot more powerful than that. Who could kidnap her? Why?' Grover shook his head miserably. "'I don't know. Kronos? He can't be that powerful already, can he?' The last time we'd seen Kronos, he'd been in tiny pieces. Well, we hadn't actually seen him. Thousands of years ago, after the big titan god war, the gods had sliced him to bits with his own scythe and scattered him in his remains in Tartarus.' Which is like the gods' bottomless recycling bin for their enemies. Two summers ago, Kronos had tricked us to the very edge of the pit and almost pulled us in. Then last summer, on board Luke's demon cruise ship, we seen a golden coffin where Luke claimed he was summoning the Titan Lord out of the abyss, bit by bit. Every time someone new joined their cause, Kronos could influence people with dreams and trick them. But I didn't see how he could physically overcome Artemis if he was still like a pile of evil bark mulch. I don't know, Grover said. I think somebody would know if Cronus had reformed. The gods would have been more nervous, but still, it's weird. You having a nightmare the same night as Zoe? It's almost like they're connected, I said. Over in the frozen meadow, a satyr skidded on his hooves as he chased after a red-headed tree nymph. She giggled and, giggled and held out her am- arms as she ran toward her. Pop! She turned into a scotch pine, and he kissed the trunk at top speed. Ah, love. Grover Grover said dreamily. I thought about Zoe's nightmare, which she had only had a few hours after mine. I gotta talk to Zoe, I said. Um, before you do, Grover took something out of his coat pocket. There's a three-fold display like a travel brochure. You, You remember what you said about how it was weird the hunters just happened to show up at Westover Hall? I think they might have been scouting us. Scouting us? What do you mean? He gave me the brochure. It was about the hundreds of Artemis. The front read, A wise choice for your future. Inside were pictures of young maidens doing hunter stuff. Chasing monsters, shooting uh, bows. There were captions like, Health benefits, immortality, and what it means for you. And, A boy, fee- a boy free tomorrow. I found that in Annabeth's backpack, Grover said. I stared at him. I, I don't understand. Well- It seems to me, maybe Annabeth was thinking about joining. I'd like to say I took the news well. The truth was, I wanted to strangle the hunters of Artemis, one eternal maiden at a time. The rest of the day, I tried to keep busy, but I was worried sick about Annabeth. I went to javelin throwing class, but the Ares camper in charge chewed me out after I got distracted and threw the javelin at the target before he got out of the way. I apologized for the hole in his pants, but he still sent me packing. I visited the Pegasus stables, but Selena Beauregard from the Aphrodite cabin was having an argument with one of the hunters, and I decided I would better not get involved. After that, I sat in the empty chariot stand, sands and sulked. Down at the archery field, Siobhan was conducting target practice. I knew he'd be the best person to talk to, maybe he could give me some advice, but something held me back. I had a feeling Siobhan would try to protect me, like he always did. He might not tell me everything he knew. I looked the other direction, at the top of Half-Blood Hill. Mr. D and Argus were feeding the baby dragon that guarded the Golden Fleece. Then it occurred to me no one would be in the big house. There was someone else, something else I could ask for guidance. My blood was humming in my ears as I ran into the house and took the stairs. I'd only done this once before, and I still had nightmares about it. I opened the trap door and stepped into the attic. The room was dark and dusty and cluttered with junk, just like I remembered. There were shields with monster bites out of them, and swords bent in the shapes of demon heads, and a bunch of taxidermy, like a stuffed harpy and a bright orange python. Over by the window, sitting on a three-legged stool, was the shriveled-up mummy of an old lady in a tie-dye hippie dress, the oracle. I made myself walk toward her. I waited for green mist to billow from the mother's mummy's mouth, like it had before, but nothing happened. "'Hi,' I said." Uh, what's up? I winced at how stupid that sounded. Not much could be up when you're dead and stuck in the attic. But I knew the spirit of the oracle was in there somewhere. I could feel cold presence in the room, like a coiled sleeping snake. I have a question, I said a little louder. I need to know about Annabeth. How can I save her? No answer. The sun slanted through the dirty attic window, lighting the dust motes dancing in the air. I waited longer, then I got angry. I was being stonewalled by a corpse. All right, I said. Fine, I'll figure it out myself. I turned and bumped into a big table full of souvenirs. It seemed more cluttered than the last time I was here. Heroes stoned and stored all kinds of stuff in the attic. Quest trophies they no no longer wanted to keep in their cabins or stuff that held painful memories. I knew Luke had stored a dragon cloud somewhere up here. The one that scarred his face. There was a broken sword hilt labeled... This broke and Leroy got killed. 1999. Then I noticed a pink silk scarf with the label attached to it. I picked up the tag and tried to read it. Scarf of the Goddess Aphrodite, recovered at Waterland, Denver, Colorado, by Annabeth Chase and Percy Jackson. I stared at the scarf. I'd totally forgotten about it. Two years ago, Annabeth had ripped the scarf out of my hands and said something like, Oh no, no love magic for you. I'd assumed she'd thrown it away, and yet here it was? She kept it all all this time? Why had she stashed it in the attic? I turned to the mummy. She hadn't moved. But the shadows across her face made it look like she was smiling gruesomely. I dropped the scarf and tried to not run toward the exit. That night after dinner, I was seriously ready to beat the hunters that captured the flag. It was going to be a small game. Only 13 hunters, including Bianca D'Angelo, and about the same number of campers. Zoe Nightshade looked pretty upset. She kept glancing resentfully at Sharon, like she couldn't believe he was making her do this. The, hunter, the other hunters didn't look too happy either. Unlike last night, they weren't laughing or joking around. They just huddled together in the dining pavilion, whispering nervously to each other as they strapped on their armor. Some of them even looked like they'd been crying. I guess Zoe told them about her nightmare. On our team, we had Beckendorf and two other Hephaestus guys. A few from the Ares cabin, though it still seemed that strange that Clarice wasn't around. The Soul Brothers and Nico from Hermes cabin. And a few Aphrodite kids. It was weird that the Aphrodite cabin wanted to play. Usually they sat on the sidelines, chatted, and checked their reflections in the rear river and stuff. The when they heard we were fighting the hunters, they were raring to go. I'll show them love is worthless. Selena Beauregard grumbled as she strapped on her armor. I'll pulverize them. That left Dahlia and me. I'll take the offense, Dahlia volunteered. You take defense. Oh. I hesitated. Because I'd been about to say the exact same thing, only reversed. Don't you think with your shield and all, you'd be better defense? Dahlia already had Aegis on her arm, and even our own teammates were giving her wide berth, trying not to cower before the bronze head of Medusa. Well... "'I was thinking it would make better offense,' Dahlia said. "'Besides, you've had more practice at defense.' "'I wasn't sure if she was teasing me. "'I had some pretty bad experiences with defense on Capture the Flag. "'My first year, Ameth had put me out as a kind of bait, "'and I had almost been gored to death with spears and killed by a hellhound.' "'Yeah, no problem,' I lied. "'Cool!' Thalia turned to help some of the Aphrodite kids "'who were having trouble suiting up their armor without breaking their nails. "'Nico D'Angelo ran up to me with a big grin on his face.' Percy, this is awesome. His blue feathered bronze helmet was falling in his eyes, and his breastplate was about six sizes too big. I wondered if there was any way I looked that ridiculous when I first arrived. Unfortunately, I probably had. Nico lifted his sword with effort. Do we get to kill the other team? Well, no. But the hunters are immortal, right? That's only if they don't fall in battle. Besides. It would be awesome if we just, like, resurrected as soon as we were killed, so we could just keep fighting. And, Nico, this is serious. Real swords. These can hurt. He stared at me, a little disappointed, and I realized that I just sounded like my mother. Whoa. Not a good sign. I patted Nico on the shoulder. Hey, it's cool. Just follow the team, stay out of Zoe's way, we'll have a blast. Shran's hoof thundered on the pavilion floor. Heroes, he called. You know the rules. The creek is the boundary line. Blue team, camp half-blood shall take the west woods. Hunters of Artemis, red team shall take the east woods. I will serve as referee and battlefield medic. No intentional miming, please. All magic items are allowed. To your positions. Sweet, Nika whispered next to me. What kind of magic items? Do I get one? I was about to break it to him that he didn't. When Thalia said, "Blue team, follow me." They cheered and followed. I had to run to catch up and tripped over somebody's shield so I didn't look much like a co-captain, more like an idiot. We set out our flag at the top of Zeus's fist. It's this clutter, cluster of boulders in the middle of the Westwoods that if you look at it just the right way, looks like a huge fist sticking out of the ground. If you look at it from any other side, it looks like a pile of enormous deer droppings. But Sharon wouldn't let us call the place the poop pile, especially after it, named, after it had been named for Zeus. Who doesn't have as much of a sense of humor anyway it was a good place to set the flag the top boulder was 20 feet tall and really hard to climb so the flag was clearly visible like the rules it said it had to be and it didn't matter what the guards were allowed weren't allowed to stand within 10 yards of it i set nico on guard duty with beckendorf and the stool brothers figuring he'd be safely out of the way we'll send out a decoy to the left daya told the team selena you lead that got it Take Laurel and Jason. They're good runners. Make a wide arc around the hunters. Attract as many as you can. I'll take the main raiding party run to the right and catch them by surprise. Everybody nodded. It sounded good, and Dahlia said it with such confidence you couldn't believe, help but believe it'll work. Dahlia looked at me. Anything to add, Percy? Um, yeah. Uh, keep sharp on the defense. We've got four guards, two scouts. That's not much for a big forest. I'll be roving. Yell if you need help. And don't leave your po- Post. Thalia said, unless you see a golden opportunity. I added, Thalia scowled, just don't leave your post. Right, unless Percy! She touched my arm and shocked me. I mean, everybody can give static static chucks in the winter, but when Thalia does, it hurts. I guess it's because her dad is the god of lightning. She's been known to fry off people's eyebrows. Sorry, Thalia said, though she didn't sound particularly sorry. Now, is everybody clear? Everybody nodded. We broke into our smaller groups. Groups. The horns sounded and the game began. Selena's group disappeared into the woods on the left. Thalia's group gave it a few seconds, then darted off toward the right. I waited for something to happen. I climbed Zeus's fist and had a good view over the forest. I remembered how the hunters had stormed out of the woods when they fought the manticore, and I was prepared for something like that. One huge charge that could overwhelm us, but nothing happened. I caught a glimpse of Selena and our two scouts. They ran through a clearing, followed by five of the hunters leading them deep into the woods and away from Thalia. The plan seemed to be working. When I, then I spotted another clump of hunters right, heading to the right, bows ready. They must have spotted Thalia. "'What's happening?' Nico demanded, trying to climb up next to me. My mind was racing. Thalia would never get through, but the hunters were divided. With that many on either flank, their center had to be wide open. If I move fast, I looked at Beckendorf. "'Can you guys hold the fort?' Beckendorf snorted. "'Of course!' I'm going in. The Stoll brothers and Nico cheered as I raced toward the boundary line. I was running at top speed and it felt—and I felt great. I leaped over the creek into enemy territory. I could see their silver flag up ahead. Only one guard who wasn't even looking in my direction. I heard fighting to my left and right somewhere in the woods. I had it made. The guard turned at the last minute. It was Bianca D'Angelo. Her eyes widened as I slammed into her and she went sprawling in the snow. Sorry! I yelled. I ripped down the silver silk flag from the tree and took it. I was ten yards away before um, Bianca managed to uh, yell for help. I thought I was home free. Zip! A silvery cord raced through my uh, across my ankles, fastened me to the tree next to me. A tripwire fired from the bow. Before I could even think about stopping, I went down hard, sprawling in the snow. Percy, Dahlia yelled to my light. What are you doing? Before she reached me, an arrow exploded at her feet and a cloud of yellow smoke billowed around her team. They started coughing and gagging. I could smell the gas from across the woods, the horrible smell of sulfur. No fair! Dahlia gasped. Fart arrows are unsportsmanlike i got up and started running again only a few more yards to the creek and i had the game more arrows whizzed past my ears a hundred came out of nowhere and slashed at me with their knife but i parried and kept running i kept yelling from our side of the creek beckendorf and nico were running toward me i thought they were coming to welcome me back but then i saw them they were chasing someone zoe nightshade right racing toward me like a cheetah dodging campers with no trouble and she had her flag in her hands no i yelled and poured on speed I was two feet from the water when Zoe bolted across to her own side, slamming me into me for good measure. The hunters cheered as both sides converged on the creek. Sean appeared out of the woods, looking grim. He had the Stoll brothers on his back, and it looked as if both of them had taken some nasty wax to the head. Connor still had two arrows sticking out of his helmet like antenna. The hunters win, Sean announced without pleasure. Then he muttered, for the fifty-sixth time in a row. Perseus Jackson! Thalia yelled, storming toward me. She smelled like rotten eggs, and she was so mad that blue sparks flickered on her armor. Everybody cringed and backed up because of Aegis. It took all my willpower not to cower. "'What in the name of the gods were you thinking?' she bellowed. I balled my fist. I had enough bad uh, bad stuff happen to me for one day. I didn't need this. "'I got the flag, Thalia!' I shook it in her face. "'I saw a chance, and I took it. "'I was at their base!' Daya yelled. But the flag was gone. If you hadn't butted in, we would have won. You had too many on you. Oh, so it's my fault? I didn't say that. Arrgh! Talia pushed me and a shock went through my body that blew me backward ten feet into the water. Some of the campers gasped. A couple of the hunters stifled laughs. Sorry! Daya said, turning pale. I didn't mean to. Anger roared in my ears. A wave erupted from the creek blasting into Talia's face and dowsing her from head to toe. I stood up. Yeah, I growled. I didn't mean to either. Talia was breathing heavily. Enough, Sean ordered, but Talia held out her spear. You want some seaweed brain? Somehow it was okay when Ambit called me that. At least i gotten used to it, but hearing it from Talia was not cool. Bring it on, pinecone face! I raised riptide, but before I could even defend myself, Dalia yelled and a blast of lightning came down from the sky. Hit her spear like a lightning, lightning rod and slammed into my chest. I sat down hard. There was a burning smell. I had a feeling it was my clothes. Dalia, Shron said. That is enough! I got to my feet and willed the entire creek to rise. It swirled up, hundreds of gallons of water in a massive icy funnel cloud. Percy! Shron pleaded. I was about to hurl it at Thalia when I saw something in the woods. I lost my anger and my concentration all at once. The water splashed back into the creek bed. Thalia was so surprised she turned to see what I was looking at. Someone. Something was approaching. It was shrouded in a murky green mist. But as it got closer, the campers and hunter gasped. This is impossible, Shran said. I never heard him sound so nervous. It. She has never left the attic. Never. And yet the withered mummy that held the oracle shuffled forward until she stood in the center of the group. Mist curled around her feet, turning the snow a sickly shade of green. None of us dared move, then her voice hissed inside my head. Apparently everyone could hear it, because several clutched their hands over the ears. "'I am the spirit of Delphi,' the voice said. "'Speaker of the prophecies of Phoebus Apollo, slayer of the mighty Python.' The oracle regarded me with its cold, dead eyes. Then she turned unmistakably towards Zoe Nightshade. Approach Seeker and ask. Zoe swallowed. What must I do to help my goddess? The oracle's mouth opened and green mist poured out. I saw the vague image of a mountain and a a girl standing at the barren peak. It was Artemis, but she was wrapped in chains, fettered to the rocks. She was kneeling, her hands raised as if to fend off an attacker, and it looked like she was in pain. The oracle spoke. Five shall go to the west, to the goddess in chains. One shall be lost in the land without rain. The bane of Olympus shows the trail. Campers and hunters combined prevail. The titan's curse must one withstand, and one shall perish by a parent's hand. Then as we were watching, the mist swirled and retreated like a gray-green serpent into the mummy's mouth. The oracle sat down on a rock and became as still as she'd been in the attic, as if she might sit by this creek for a hundred years and that is the end of chapter six that was such an amazing chapter i am kind of upset that the hunters won that capture the flag game but let's hope that they get to win again and i really wonder who is going to be able who will go on the quest in order to save artemis and annabeth but until then stay safe and stay out of boredom